Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. Well, hello again, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Dad's. Uh, David Morty, my brother, how are you doing? I'm fantastic, man. I'm doing really well. I'm excited. We're talking to the wifey today. I know. This has been a long time coming. She's been brushing us off because she's so busy. She's quite the celebrity these days. <laughs> so like they're both talking about me and I'm right here. <laughs> hey, just qu- we haven't introduced you yet, Sonia. Oh, yeah. Just- so, um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, she's, she's a mom. She's obviously a husband. She has to, you know, deal with me on a regular basis. Uh, she's a busy woman, and she is. I mean, she's... Uh, what can I say about uh, my, my, my absolutely amazing wife? Uh, melts my heart just thinking that she's on our show right now. So this woman uh, who I've had the chance to know for over 12 years, uh, going on 12 years, we met actually in naturopathic school. We um, traveled the world and came back and opened up our practice. And uh, it's funny, uh, if, if any of you knew who I was before uh, when, when Sonia and I got together, I was, I was the, the guy who walked with his head in the clouds and not grounded and at all. And this amazing, brilliant woman comes into my life and uh, shakes me up in a way that I, yeah, just crushes me that, um, that she gets to be here and I get to share her amazing heart with, with everyone who's uh, tuning in because uh, she's, she's been an amazing teacher for me. And, we kind of joke that she's like baby Yoda holding her cup of tea because that's her personality. <laughs> it's like she, she's so direct with her teaching and such profound insight. And uh, I get to share my life with this amazing human being. So, uh, so much more to say, but uh, Sonia, thank you so much for being uh, on our show today. We love you. Well, you weren't supposed to make me cry right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> but that thank was the you. plan. Come on. Yeah. And I have not brushed you off. I've been waiting to be asked and here we are here we are i'd like to give a story my own two cents about sonia just for (laughs) our listeners so you know nick and sonia have been in me and clarissa's life for three three years now right yeah Mm -hmm. we're going on three Mm -hmm. and these two are nothing short of just amazing Uh, you know i i would probably just call you guys peaceful warriors is the best thing I could, you know, coined phrase I could give you guys because talk about just having two people that just bring this massive light to your life that in, they invigorate growth in such, such an amazing manner, man. Like I've grown so much just from knowing you guys and being with you guys and, you know, having that connection. And, you know, one of the highest terms of greatness I give people is being on that Jedi level and Nick and Sonia are both on that level. So Sonia's going to, for sure share some of her uh jedi stuff with us today and and i learned so much from both of you and sonia like yeah i just ex- i expect it so so let it let us have it today well thank you i mean it's amazing being around two men that um your love language is our words of affirmation and you're able to express exactly what um, your heart says because that's very rare and what you guys are doing with the podcast is amazing so you being vulnerable and sharing with other men, you're giving other men permission and women the capacity to relax so that they don't have to 
be the ones that are guiding their men because we can't be teachers to our men. I mean, we can in some ways as we model things, but we can't tell them what to do, as you guys probably know. Mm-hmm. And that, and vice versa, of course. Mm-hmm. We I've tried that many times, and it, it clearly does not it never work. Works. <laughs> Well, Sonia, I mean, you've got such an amazing story and it's part of like what I think interested me about you. I mean, Sonia, if you, if you haven't met her before, she's a gorgeous woman inside and out. And I, I, I was drawn to her the first time I saw her. And it's fascinating to, to see and to be a part now of obviously her family and to see the, the interesting dynamics of what it takes to be an Indian woman living in a Western culture um and her parents are amazing and her parents also have a lot of the strength of the 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 way of life of back home in india and but it's it was a really interesting dynamic to grow up in very very different than than a lot of us uh residents of of the country and who were not uh, direct immigrants so sonia please share some of your like what, what does that actually mean like what does that look like and just sort of paint a story for people yeah, so growing up first-generation Indo-Canadian woman was a little challenging because um, Russell Peters makes this joke. He's an Indian comedian, and those who left in the 70s and came to either Canada or the U.S. are still stuck in the 70s of how tradition was and how the way of life was back then for them um, in India and in that culture. and. Their ability to adapt was challenging because they're wanting to hold on to those values and the culture and pass that down to their children and wanting more for them, wanting opportunities and really wanting them to melt into the Canadian culture, but with limits. So there were a lot of limits on our life, a lot of limits to freedom. And it was hard trying to fight the battle of being in this one culture. You're going to school, you have friends that are from here and you go home and it's a completely different scenario. So trying to balance that, those two different lives, that you start creating this um, like double identity, right? You have to be a certain way at home and then a certain way outside. And you don't really realize who you are until you consciously figure out that um, all the lies that you have been told, the stories that you've been told about who you are actually are not true from both sides. So it takes time to kind of recognize what that is and help shift out of it. And a very clear moment for me was when I was 13 and um, I had, I was in such a state at that time, I was, you know, I was anorexic. So I was dealing with an eating disorder because I just felt like nothing was in my control. Like everything was dictated by something outside of me and there was zero freedom for me to be myself. And I clearly remember this moment. I had just showered. I had my hair in like my little hair turban bun drying it because my hair was so long and I sat there really contemplating not being here anymore and but what, what I really wanted was help like I wanted to be seen I wanted to be heard and so I had taken a safety pin and I carved I hate life on my arm I marked myself with those words because everything felt so not in my control and we feel that all the time, like Indo-Canadian or not, or whoever um, is listening to this, we have so many moments in our lives where we don't feel heard, we don't feel seen, and we feel like everything around us is dictating our life. And then our body starts to tell us the story of these symptoms. And I just had this realization actually just like a month ago of like, wow, I like put an imprint physically on my body 
And I have been operating my life from that space. So that's been huge for me. And I always knew inside, I think all of us have that, like, that innocence inside of us there, but it gets kind of squashed. So that piece of me was always very connected to something bigger. I always knew I was here for a reason. And so for that, like that kept pulling me in the right direction and the choices that I made. I mean, if I hadn't made the choice of like being with Nick, um, I don't know what I'd be doing at this hour. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you guys. I wouldn't be doing the workshops that I do or the work that I do. I'd probably be sitting at a happy hour because that's the trajectory my life was going towards. So I think we have these moments in our lives where that give us this like insight that give, that give us these moments that are opportunities to start choosing. Because that was also the moment where I realized, oh, wait a second, I'm causing this harm. Yes, the outside world is not allowing me to control my life, but I'm causing the harm internally and I get to choose differently. So that's when I started shifting. Wow. <clears throat> Thanks for sharing that. That you know, that, I've never even heard that, but yeah, that's intense. And I mean, I know a little bit about how that's all played out for you in your life. We've had some mm-hmm. conversations, but golly, I mean, you, you think about how many people, like we were having that talk, Nick, about fictional authenticity. Like mm-hmm. so many people are living in this bubble of, like you're saying, like this, this, everything's decided for me or it's already been, Mm -hmm. those beliefs have been determined for me, right? And like, we talk about this all the time, Nick, of people just indoctrinating from culture or their parents or their families or whatever it may be of like, well, this is how you're supposed to do it. This is what it's supposed to be. And as children, sometimes you're like, well, how come I never have a say in what I want it to be or what I believe in, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, we, a lot of us get into adulthood and we're like, oh, wait a second. Like I never made any of these decisions for myself. Mm-hmm. And and so Nick, you probably have some questions for her, but Sonia, can you kind of talk a little bit about how once you shifted a little bit and how some of these choices that you made had that positive impact on your life? I know Nick was one of those and, mm-hmm. and stuff, but can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think um, it's an ongoing um, growth. So it's not just like one moment, like there's that moment, but then there's these like everyday choices. So the first thing was just having the awareness that these beliefs are not mine. And I get this opportunity now to create my life and not live out the dream of somebody else or live out the expectations of what the world is giving to me. And it's an online thing because this is something that's been passed down generational. So like, you know, strip away like the Indo-Canadian first generation, I'm also a woman. So the patterns that like women have been passed down for many, many generations too, it's um, the not being seen and the not being heard, that's so ingrained in women in general. So I think the moment I had these awarenesses of like being empowered as a woman and not wanting to be different is what's shifted everything for me. I remember a moment when I was in grade 11, we're sitting in French class and one of my friends, he turned around and we were talking and he goes, your next life, because we believe in reincarnation, would you want to be a man or a woman? I'm like, man, hands down. That was my like instant response. If somebody were to ask me today, woman, hands down. So I think the moment I recognized and accepted myself, and that happens in many, many moments and it has to be very conscious every day, that is what's brought the positivity to my life. That's what's brought opportunity. That's what's brought like growth and my capacity to trust myself, to be vulnerable and trust myself to grow, trust myself to create. I think that's what's changed things for me. 
Yeah. And, and I would have to agree with that. It's, it's just being on the outside slash inside looking in. Um, Sonia, Sonia, like when we first started dating, um, she knows this, she was way more, I would say the word submissive, but she was way more. We use that word a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I know it's, it's true. Like less confrontational, like would not voice an opinion as regularly as she does now. Um, and, and it's in such a, it's amazing. Like it, it's literally, she's transformed uh, in front of me. And it's because she keeps choosing herself she keeps choosing to recreate her identity instead of constantly defining herself i mean it's it's ever evolving it's not like it's you know perfection but it's it's she's such a different woman you know on the outside looking in so um you know this is like you said it's a story that's definitely related to a big piece of the canadian culture and you did mention you know this is a story that is so universal but most people unfortunately, don't see that they or, or create, create the opportunities to choose themselves. And so, like, validate that in, in, the, in a please validate in a story. And then, and then what happens when people stay there? So I think in many of our moments and every day, there's, there's an internal battle that's happening constantly, right? So we have so many roles that we play. So whether you're a mom, a father, a husband, wife, sister, brother, daughter, son. We have all these ro- roles that we're playing and all these like different identities. And by connecting to like your truest, like innocent I am, and which is like staying more heart centered rather than um, in the head. I think I'm going off track from what your actual question was. No, 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 it's, no okay. it's right on. It's right on. Right on. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I was reading um, Osho's book just before this um, on intuition, and he had this one line in there, and this is more pertaining to women, but I think it's for all of us. He's like, the moment you remember the heart is the moment you remember the woman. The moment you remember the heart is the moment, or the moment you honor the heart is the moment that you remember that feminine yin energy that we all have inside of us that's been like trapped away for so long and the heart is um the heart is where the intuition sits it's where the unknowing sits and the intellect is where the knowing sits and most of our time we're spending up here so that we can defend these identities and these roles that we've created because that's our our ego telling us that this is who you are and in order to feel steady and safe in these identities that you've created, you have to defend them. So all your choices that you make, you end up making to defend that identity. But when you look into your heart, nothing makes sense, right? So the, what else he said that I loved was um, the, the brain is always looking for things that make sense. You know, and our conscious brain is looking for evidence and things that are, and we're using our five senses to give it information. Whereas the heart, it's like irrational. And for, so the mind doesn't make sense of it, but we, because we're in such a culture of disconnect, we're completely disconnected from those two pieces. And then that's what takes us further away from like, from the I am and from the, from the heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, so the second part of that question, which you, you nailed the first part, the second part was, you know, what does that look like for people, mm-hmm. or women maybe in particular, but, but it's all people, you know, mm-hmm. over time, like mm-hmm. maybe, and like, how does that connect to like one's 
state of mind or health or mm-hmm. you know thyroid which is so common uh mm-hmm. such a common issue for so many women like mm-hmm. again not speaking their truth and all that so yeah mm-hmm. if you could talk about like the trajectory over time what's, what does that look like yeah so our body is continuously telling us and whispering things to us when we're not in alignment right when we're not being authentic so for women in particular dr Libby weaver's coined the term the rushing woman syndrome and we could probably say the rushing man syndrome as well And essentially what that means is we're sitting in a state of survival all the time. And because we're sitting in that state of survival, our cortisol is rising, our adrenaline's up, our hormones that are breaking our body down are more predominant than the ones that actually help us thrive. So for women in particular, that may look like brain fog, it may look like fatigue, low libido, just that feeling of disconnect from yourself, depression, anxiety, lack of sleep, there's so many of these signals that the body is giving us, but if we're spinning on that wheel constantly, there's no actual rest for the body to thrive in. So then that's when, you know, we start blaming the hormones, we start blaming these external things also, and but not recognizing that we're creating that state inside of us. Yeah, I love it. So good. So good. <laughs> yeah, I told it. I told you she'd bring it. Okay, so I got I want to back up here because I you said something and I, I can't get it out of my brain. So you said being true to oneself. So let's say you have somebody Sonia that and I think this happens a lot for people in their midlife crisis or that coin term midlife crisis. So you have somebody let's say that finally hits that state where they're they start questioning their happiness through their identity, right? And they're like, oh, wait a second. Uh, everything I thought would bring me happiness or that would fill the cup, I've, I've accomplished all those things, and I'm 40, 50 years old, and they recognize, right, mm-hmm. that, that that's not it. This isn't, this isn't what's going to bring me the happiness. This isn't what I was looking for. Where do, what's the next step? Because I think some people – they get halfway, mm-hmm. right? They, they, they kind of, they sit there and they can recognize it, but then, then they get stuck. So like, where mm-hmm. do people go from the, okay, now what? Cause I think a lot of it has to do with, they don't know how to trust themselves. Mm-hmm. They're aware yeah. of it, but then it's like, okay. Now what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that time in our life is a very like reflective period as we're transitioning, hormones are changing, life is changing, maybe kids are growing up now and doing their thing. It's, we have now given that space to reflect on what we have created, who we are and what we want to create. So instead of focusing on um, in searching, focusing more on creating, like really tapping into, well, who do I want to be? Or who around me is somebody that I can really connect with and I see gifts and traits in them that I would, that I resonate with and I know will help me thrive. So instead of like, you know, that term, like finding yourself and searching for yourself, really starting to create yourself more and more and making those small um, decisions every single day. Maybe that small decision is like sitting for five minutes and having a cup of tea just to reflect on what this day is going to bring you. And then from that, making a commitment to being present in the moment, that mindfulness and being present can be like the first thing that everybody does. So, and because the more mindful you become, the more you start questioning in your mind and the answers start coming. So there's no real or one answer for anybody because the answers are within, but we're always searching for like, what's the step that we can do now to find ourselves. 
but the answer is already there. What we've done over time is we've caught, find, like, I don't want to say the word. You, when you make it quiet, <laughs> that, that voice is just, it's not, uh, we're not hearing it. So that allowing ourselves just space and rest and relaxation so that we can begin to hear the answers that are already this, I think this is a good uh, segue into something that you've coined, Sonia, and that's uh, the fragile feminine. Because this, this uh, movement... Feminist. Feminist, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, this, uh, this movement for, for men, this, like, this, the changing man and you know, the vulnerable man and, and everything. And, and then there was this emergence um, for women in the feminist movement and, and now it's changing too. So can you, can you speak to the Fragile Feminine? And you did write an amazing poem on it too. I don't know if you want to share that as well, but take it away. Um, yeah, so I think what's happened is, like I was speaking to before over the generations, there's been a lot that women in particular have had to dealt with because we're in a very patriarchal world. That's another word, word I have difficulty saying. <laughs> And because we're um, used to uh, operating from the yang state, and that was probably needed in those years to get our species to a certain place that we're in now. And when women started rising, which was beautiful because they rose to, um, you know, just have their voices heard. But what happened in that rising, it created confusion. Because now what women have to do is they're, you know, we're, we have businesses, we have our different careers, we have our families, we have our communities that we're also taking care of. So it's not that we took something away and replaced it, we just kept adding to the list. And now there's confusion on how we can operate from that feminine space because women are meant to create. Like women represent the heart, whereas men represent the brain, the intellect. Men um, thrive off of doing, whereas women thrive off of being. But that feminist movement created a little bit of confusion. So it's like, if you're not working and being a mom, you're not a feminist. So if you're a stay-at-home mom, you're not um, living up to the expectation of all these women that had sacrificed for us or were not heard for all those years. And, but what that's done is our biology was never meant to operate in that system, in the system that we have all created together. It's not just men that have created this, we've done it too. So we're operating in this system trying to fight for our rights that we rightfully should have. But in that fight, we're fighting so much that now we're stuck in that survival state and that masculine state that we're trying to move away from. So when that's happening, the body is fighting. Like cancer is on the rise, Alzheimer's for women, growths in our body like fibroids and all these issues that women are dealing with because we can't slow down in order to relax and create we have to continuously move forward to live up to this new expectation of the the feminists and then that also creates confusion within relationships and i coined the fragile feminist it's because in our heart after we strip all that away and speaking to in relation we still want to be taken care of we want to be able to relax and know that the stability and the steadiness of our household is taken care of so we can be and take care of the community and be part of the community and raise our children in a way where they have a nest to fall back on. Because right now our nests are, they're cracked because half of it's over here, half of, it, half of our mind is um, at work, half of it's over here. 
we're constantly in different places. So we can't even create that in our inner knowing wants that for us our inner knowing needs that but we're continuously fighting it so that's where that fragile feminist is like there's so much fragility in there but it's beautiful but then there's that feminist side and when you bring that piece together i'm hoping that women start to recognize their power in in creation and in being rather than in doing Mm -hmm. yeah i love that and so there's a there's an old paradigm that is washing away slowly but surely and and we've recognized this in me too right sonia like i initially met with resistance because we as men have a certain expectation because of roles and gender and all those other things in growing up when sonia started to rise up in our relationship i got really confused Mm -hmm. like it, it rocked my boat a little bit and maybe i'm speaking for all men and so in women doing this, it's part of that catalyst for men to change. They realize that, okay, well, that rushing man, maybe we don't have to operate in the way that we used to as well. So what is that, like, how can you speak to men in this, um, in this paradigm that, that the women are in? Like, and I think that the way that you describe the fragile feminist is perfect. So mm-hmm. how can women and men start to wake up to this this transformation so that we can meet each other equally as opposed to you know have this like uh, imbalanced relationship Mm -hmm. well i think it's important to recognize first that we all have the masculinity and the feminine side within us the yin and the yang right like that there has to be a balance between the two and then recognizing the differences in how we operate now from a yoga perspective men operate on this like linear path, right? They're going from A to B and they're given a task, they need to finish it and feel um, like they've provided for their family, feel like they've created this steady space. And for women, we have like 16 different pathways that we can be on at one in one moment. There was a cartoon of a couple laying in bed and they're like facing the other way and the the woman's I don't, I don't know if you remember this one is laying there going why why isn't he talking to me I wonder who he's thinking about who is he texting what's going on so like, all of these things going on in her head and the guy's just like why is that curtain blue like just really simple <laughs> and <laughs> to the point whereas like women we have we're not only here but yogi bhajan says we're like 18 hours ahead like you know me sitting here doing this i'm also picking up my kids already i'm thinking about dinner i'm thinking about all these things and now recognizing that she just forgot to take something out of the freezer as we're speaking. So my mind is all over the place like this because we have the capacity to operate that way, whereas men don't. But what happens in relationship is, as a woman, my then expectation is that if I can do this, why doesn't he just get it? And for men, why is she so complicated? Why is this such a big deal? So until we understand the differences, we can't come together and actually elevate each other in those moments and just be there for that person. Instead, we have this expectation for women, we want our men to be like our girlfriends. We want to bounce things off and have them just listen, whereas men want to step in and fix what's going on. So I think the understanding of like that first and then coming together and how each one can um, feel supported can help create more cohesive communication and just connection mm-hmm. and and then it takes time right like yeah. it's it's not gonna just happen like that it's it's an evolution and and i, I like how you said that because it's it's creating a safe environment for 
both man and woman. Again, it has nothing to do with gender necessarily. It can be a masculine energy and a feminine energy. But mm-hmm. finding a dance where you're you're okay with the feelings that are coming up. Like let, let's talk about that a little bit. Like someone can be expressing a certain way, and then the the receiver can be like, like you said, why is it so complicated? What's going on? Instead, like the more ideal scenario would be to to maintain that steadiness. Like that's let's talk about like the that feminine quality and the masculine quality uh, steadiness and, and support and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So women need security and men need steadiness. Right. So in order for a woman to feel steady, she needs to feel secure. So in order to do that is like women thrive in, in a, in a space of being and listening. So we're able to hold the space, and men thrive in a space where they feel like, you know, they can hold kind of the container. But when we were speaking to like the feminist thing, what's happened over time though, there's confusion in those two roles because women want to feel safe enough to voice what's going on. And also, and I don't need your help. Mm-hmm. So there's that confusion inside. I was speaking to a friend and she was telling about her friend who was livid that a man opened the door for her. And here I am, I'm like, I want the door open. I want a red carpet. I want him to bow as I walk by. So, but because we've come so far, like in that movement of like receiving from uh, our male counterparts that we're trying to rise up on our own. So I think if we can shed that ego component on both sides, then we can actually be there for one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's perfect. David, go ahead, buddy. Well, no, I'm just thinking like you're saying as, as, as men are evolving and women are evolving, like Nick is saying, there, there is this like this shifting, right? Of mm-hmm. like you're saying, I think the male is honestly shifting because the woman has risen up in many different ways. But like you're saying, like there's this, um, it's, it hasn't turned out the way it's supposed to be, right? Like people are misunderstanding as, as this is evolving, what needs to happen. And then like we're saying for men, it's tapping into more of the, more of the vulnerable side, right? And mm-hmm. having that peace when I think that was like in our parents' generation was like, oh no, you don't, you know, you're machismo. You're always the tough guy. You don't show that vulnerability. You don't show your heart, right? We live in our brain mm-hmm. space. Like, don't you dare, right? It's just like taboo. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, you guys arising on the other piece you guys were all heart now using the upper brain centers and you guys are having that rise but it's interesting i even think about my marriage now about how you know me and clarissa have always been big on like we both have similar roles in our relationship of our marriage it's not this whole like because you're the wife you do these things and because you're the husband and it's funny because we talk to some of our patients or people that we're with and they're like they're like david does that really and Chris is like yeah like that's, he better do have, that i wouldn't have married him <laughs> if he didn't right and they're just like so blown away because they're still living under these really false like beliefs of what maybe their parents generation did or their the generation before that and so you see that i think you see that across the board and in, in culture and in just a lot of different things but no joke, man. Like it's kind of just playing its out. I think it playing itself out right now between these, these generations that, you know, our parents and ours big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the next generation is going to have it a little bit easier. I think our generation is the one that's kind of dealing with the big shift because it is shifting from a more masculine 
space overall in the world to a more feminine one. So more heart centered, more collective or, you know, people working together. So it, it is shifting, but it's going to take time for everyone to feel steady in that. Because right now we're still trying to find our ground in it. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to, I want to take this information and let's start to apply it into like the differences between men and women doing some of the, the protocols that we teach and fasting and detox and, and health wise, because if, if you take that male mentality for a woman and go just fast and get it done and do it every day. And like, how, how does, how do these lifestyle habits uh, work differently between men and women? And, and like, cause this is a big part of what you teach women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the big one with fasting is, um, especially if a woman is still cycling, is looking at her hormones. Um, so we teach a lot on variation. And for women in particular, variation is really key because you want to know what your monthly cycle is like, seasonally what things are like for you, and recognizing what part of the month you can fast and what part of the month you know your body is just not allowing you. Because if you think about it, after um, ovulation, your body – is supposed to be getting ready for a pregnancy, whether you get pregnant or not. So your body is building up these hormones. It's creating this environment so that you can create. But if you're fasting, you're getting stuck in a state of survival because fasting is is a stress on the body. So we're going to shut down the reproductive hormones and we're going to increase the hormones that are going to create a bit of stress so that we can adapt after. But if you're doing that in those weeks where your body needs those hormone changes, it needs those hormones to feel stable and like it's in, in its own rhythm, you are fighting against it. So it's really important for women to figure out what their rhythm is. And it's going to be different for everyone. And to feel that piece out and then recognize when you can fast more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can you speak to like um, the role of carbohydrates and progesterone and stress mm-hmm. hormones and, and, and it's sort of the time back to, to this monthly cycle? Yeah, so um, speaking to the rushing woman syndrome before and talking about how cortisol rises when we're under stress, cortisol is made from progesterone. And progesterone increases as soon as we release an egg. So we need progesterone to rise to kind of do its job. It's anti-anxiety. It's um, also antidepressive. It helps create um, stability in our moods. And if we don't have that... um, you know, women are going to experience PMS, they're going to experience heavy bleeds, they're going to experience depression and anxiety right before. And carbohydrates play a role in giving us progesterone. So if we're depriving ourselves too much of the carbohydrates, like the good stuff, we're not making enough progesterone. We need, you know, fats to make cholesterol, to make the hormones in general, and we need carbohydrates to fuel the progesterone. And we also need carbohydrates to fuel the thyroid. The thyroid plays a crucial role in what your hormones are doing. So if it's not getting enough support, it's going to go into shutdown mode. It's going to start slowing down if it's not getting that support anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, it's so key, man. I mean, we're always talking about diet variation and, and what people need to hear. Like what Sonia's saying is like, there's no cookie cutter process for what she's speaking to. I'm sure for women that like you're saying, it's going to be different for every woman and even for men, right, Nick? I mean, we've experimented with all that stuff. And like me personally, like I have to cycle carbs in my diet, man. If I go low carb for extended periods, I don't feel well. I just Mm -hmm. don't like I I've learned that 
I, and I, I'm, I'm excited to get my DNA back because it'll probably tell me this. But I've, <laughs> I've honestly learned that carbohydrates play a good role, but I've also learned how to, for me, what works in cycling. You know, and, and that's a big thing that I also teach is like, you've got to figure out what works for you. And then like you're saying, like Sonus is, it's a, it's a rhythm. Like once you find your rhythm, you know how to maintain that rhythm just like anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so let's let's talk about you know how this relationship shows up as some of the common, more common female dis- sexual dysfunction, whether it has to do with re- reproductive organs, um, just the hormonal cycling. Like, what are some common things that show up for women when they're not tapping into the fragile feminist, when they're stuck in the rushing woman syndrome, when they're like hitting the gym seven plus days per week, you know, and do, do, do mode. What, what, what happens? Mm-hmm. Well, emotionally, I think resentment is probably one of the big ones because we know we're not being authentic. And then now we're resentful towards everything external to our partners, to our families, to our friends that are taking too much from us, but not recognizing that we are actually allowing that to happen. So resentful, anger, irritability shows up a lot in that feeling of not feeling like yourself. And women that are cycling know this moment. They know there's a moment. As soon as ovulation hits, there's a moment in that day where all of a sudden everything shifts. Our lens just like does this 360. Now something that wasn't a big deal all of a sudden is a huge deal. So they really start to lose a sense of themselves. Brain fog is huge and not being able to focus and concentrate on what they're doing and being present or not being present actually is massive. Like, you know, a lot of women come to me and they're like, you know, our kids come home from school, but now I reach a state of like, I'm fatigued, I'm not sleeping well, so I have like brain fog and I can't be present with them and I just want seven o'clock to roll around so I can put them to bed. And then I'm wiped out, I have no time for me. So fatigue and brain fog and irritability are probably one of the first signs and which are huge. And then, you know, if you're not eating enough carbs, a lot of women, they, their cycle starts to increase from like 28 to 35 days, all of a sudden it's 40 days to 45 days. And they're not actually producing enough hormones for their body to actually shed this out. I always tell women, like, how lucky are we to detox every single month? Like, it's a privilege that we get to bleed every single month. But our culture has taught us it's something that's inhibiting us. It's something that we want to stay away from. So that reconnection needs to happen because the biggest thing that happens is we just feel disconnected and that's what creates all these issues. Mm -hmm. And then that leads women down the path of like birth control pills and then the aftermath of that. And can you, can you talk about like, so you, the, the emotional system, the, 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 the diet and how that's starting to lead to like estrogen dominance. And then what are some of the like common things, uh, or diseases or dis- dysfunctions mm-hmm. with estrogen dominant states? Yeah, so I mean, estrogen's everywhere. It's in our environment, it's in the plastics, it's on it's the pesticides that are on our non organic food. Um, and estrogen likes fat cells. So when women start to um, recognize that they're gaining weight around their belly, it's because there's estrogen dominance and a lot of cortisol because we're not dealing with our levels of stress. So now the liver is congested. A lot of women deal with constipation and that's one way the estrogen is leaving our bodies. So that making sure that we're detoxing is really important. And when that's happening, what's showing up is for some women, it's fibroids. A lot of women have ovarian cysts that can also show up and weight that can't, they can't lose. And then all of a sudden the thyroid also starts to slow down. 
Endometriosis is also huge, and that's usually connected not only to estrogen dominance, but also some sort of trauma. Um, I had a patient who went through a really um, bad divorce, and all of a sudden she had endometriosis and had to take her uterus out at the age of 35. Wow. So, you know, there's um, emotions tied with the toxicities, tied with our lifestyle and our mindset, all have a role in what, especially that uterus area is doing, because that's our area where we create from. And if we're feeling resentful, we're feeling not heard, we're not feeling safe and secure, that's the area that will start screaming at us or whispering to us in the beginning, but then that's the area that gets affected the most. Mm -hmm. So where, where do women go from there? Like what, if you could walk mm -hmm. women or like anyone who's listening, um, like walk them through a journey. Like at what point do you get into mindset? What point do you get into hormone testing, diet change? Like if you can sort of walk mm -hmm. someone on a journey, what, what, that would, what that would look like? Mm -hmm. So the beginning part is if they're not feeling well, it's really hard to get into the mindset because right now they're in the mindset of everything I've done hasn't worked. This is who I am. And I'm now identifying with this thyroid, this um, Hashimoto's or whatever it is. So the, the first thing like I like to test so I can show them that this is what your hormone is doing and this is what it's supposed to look like. And because it doesn't look like this, you're feeling not like yourself. You're feeling fatigued. You're feeling all of this. So the moment she's able to connect those dots is when she's ready to actually do the work. And then from that space, starting from the foundation of like, okay, what can we bring into your life every day that's for self-care? Maybe it's three minutes of breathing. Maybe it's just you, you know, going for a walk. Whatever that is that's doable for you in this moment, you start there. Maybe there's a little bit of intermittent fasting we can bring in because that also is a piece of self-care maybe we can take away something and bring something into your diet that's going to nourish you so bringing steps in of like nourishment and then once she's created a stable foundation then starting to dive in deeper of like okay so there's these toxicities we need to look at okay so now how can we look at the toxic thoughts that we're having too and how can we play around with that so that you can come on to the other side and really start learning more about yourself so that you can empower. So you, when you have that thought, you can ask yourself that question, like, is this mine? Is it my hormones? Where am I in my month? Did I eat something I wasn't supposed to eat yesterday? So she starts to learn to question. And then from there, the steps to keep happening. Because it's not three months. It's not six months. This is lifelong. So if we can, like, take them through the journey and, like, teach them how to recognize the steps, then that's what's going to create, like, the longevity and the healing and all of that. Mm -hmm. Well, and the biggie I want everyone to get out of that, like Sonia's saying, is when you don't feel well, you're not yourself, like she's saying. And you have to recognize that. I think a lot of people, they, I mean, we deal with this all the time, but they have a really hard time making those choices when they're down, when they're not feeling well. And like you're saying, that, that mindset piece is so difficult to work on at the front end. You just got to get those small changes taking place, that nourishment. I love the way you put that because that was just – that roadmap's perfect for people to create an understanding of kind of where they need to start. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So he, here's, here's a little, it's not really a secret if you know Sonia, but one of Sonia's gifts is the power of vulnerability and be able to share where she's not at her best and as a, as a way to teach others. And it's, it's, it's like, it's literally one of your gifts, Sonia. So Sonia also runs like uh, monthly women's workshops and obviously we got a retreat coming up too. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that 
aspect of vulnerability and how because women just start to resonate with that and then they start to tap into their own vulnerability because you create that space and it happens for men too i mean i recognize where i need to do it more as well so um can you yeah can you can you teach us about that a little bit more yeah i think um the more vulnerable we are the more we can share our authentic self um the more permission we give other people so to relate to men i will share a story about the rock i just listened to dwayne johnson this morning (laughs) and he was speaking to his career as a wrestler so his grandfather was a wrestler his father was a wrestler and he became a wrestler and in that wwe wwf whatever um world it's basically a story he even called it it's a soap opera a live soap opera and his role in the beginning was to be the nice guy to always be smiling no matter what happened even if he lost even if something happened he had to smile like he was given these roles and he said there was a moment where he's laying in the rink he had lost sixteen thousand people were chanting uh rocky sucks because at that point his name was still rocky and he's like something happened to me in that moment he's like i just like wanted to give up like he just felt so small in that moment and then the the owners of the organization were like this isn't working you know people don't like you they're not connecting with you and he asked for one minute he's like give me one minute live on tv i'm going to turn this around and what he did is he became vulnerable he shared with the world that that isn't who i am and this is who i am and this is who i'm going to be going forward so the moment he shared his authentic self all of a sudden that's where his career went up through the roof that's where his whole life shifted so i think the more vulnerable we are the more we can share the more people recognize we're not alone because a lot of times we're walking through life thinking we're the only ones having these thoughts the only ones that are going through this young moms of like infants do this a lot we compare ourselves so the more we can share the easier it is for everyone to connect and i just feel like through that is what like well, that's the world that we want and that's how we're going to change the world mm-hmm. and i have to second that with nick i think that is one of your superpowers you're pretty amazing <laughs> at that thank you yeah that's that's why with that, that little image of baby yoda with his mm-hmm. uh, teacup is just oh, so, yeah totally so perfect that's why i say Je- <laughs> jedi master for sure for sure. So, Sonia, we gotta we gotta talk about your women's workshops. We have to talk about the retreat. Like, why, like, why do you feel called to to teach in that way? Like, what is it? Uh, I mean, and maybe bring bring in the the yoga, but um, yeah, why yeah. is that so important to you? Well, I think it's just what we talked about. It's in that space, all of a sudden, the the walls just start to drop. We start to recognize there's other people around me now that are going through the same thing and I can share myself in it. So to watch women shift just even within those two hours is amazing and the connections that they create and how they just move from like that head center to the heart center is it's such a privilege to see that. And especially in retreats, I mean, you saw it last time, you start on day one and even within day two, all of a sudden day three, it's like these individuals are having these transformations without even knowing it because sometimes it's happening in this like, subconscious level and everything is just shifting for them and then from that you planted a seed for them and they're going to go plant that seed somewhere else so i feel like these circles like we need to gather more like we do everything in isolation mm-hmm. so the more we can gather our communities the better world i think mm-hmm. and and talk about please the just how like 
seriously important that is for women. Like men, you know, David and I can test this. We, we tend to be like okay with being loners sometimes, right? We, we, we're, we can be in isolation more often than women. Like talk about that dynamic because it's, it's mm-hmm. fascinating. Yeah, so a woman's um, hormone is oxytocin and we produce oxytocin when we're in community, when we're talking with others. Our friend Birkor, who they were over at, um, on New Year's and I don't know if you remember her saying this to you, but you know, women are the one that weave the thread of the community. Like we weave the life of a community and in order to do that we need to do it with others and we need people like i you know no offense but women need women more than we need men (laughs) we need that relationship in order to thrive whereas men you know your hormones testosterone so you guys can be side by side doing the same thing and get that same relationship and get that same elevation from that but whereas we need connection we need to connect and that's and that's oxytocin, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and honestly, like I remember, I don't know how long ago it was that I heard you say that. I'm like, what do you what do you mean? Like, <laughs> don't you need me? Like, <laughs> but it, it's so true because when I when I see Sonia come back from her her women's circles, I mean, and and like when I see you come back from the retreat, um, she did one without me, and the, obviously we did the one last year together. I mean, so it's she. You operate in a completely different space when when you step into that role as a teacher, and it's like I'm in awe when I see you do that. And it's it's one of the things that uh, that absolutely fills my cup. Seeing my woman absolutely being in the fullest expression of where she's at right now, because obviously it just it keeps growing. Um, th- that's t- talk about that. Like, is there? Is there, was that scary for you? Is that initially, I mean, coming from everything we spoke about today, we talked about, you know, this sort of not knowing yourself as your identity, feeling in isolation, not feeling like being seen and be heard. Like talk a little bit about that journey because every person has to, I think, at some point go through that or or it's our hope that everyone goes through that. Um, Yeah, there's a question there somewhere, but. um. (laughs) Like the journey and leading? The retreats. Um, So I'm very much in tune with the fact that even us as doctors, it's a privilege to guide others. So when I'm getting ready for these workshops or when I'm getting ready for the retreats, it's honestly not me. Like I surrender to something bigger. And so when I'm teaching, I don't feel like it's me teaching. I feel like these are things that we as humanity need to hear and it's something that kind of flows through me and I'm just the vessel through which this information is coming through and it's something that I need to hear. So I actually learn more from teaching than actually being maybe a participant. Like I I selfishly do it for myself. Mm -hmm. So when I know that I'm also the student and learning, I feel like it, it strips away the ego and it strips away like all the stuff. And so I'm not anchored into like, oh God, what are they going to think or whatever. I'm just, I'm just being in, just being in it and going from that space. And that just makes it easy. Mm -hmm. So So what what she's referring to right there, everyone is she's feeling the force and that's the Jedi master (laughs) at work. No joke. And that's why I call her that. And I'm, I'm going to second to what Nick says. Like when Sonia's in that space of teaching, because I've gotten, I've been very blessed that I've been in that space with her. Uh, she made me cry in a, in a Kundalini session, like within 30, 30 minutes, but she's absolutely right. Like she kind of like is able to 
pull the power of the universe through her and her teaching. And, and it's, it's amazing to just experience it. And, you know, you're saying two, three days. I don't even think she needs that long, man. It only takes her like an hour and she'll have you there. But, but it's, it's true, man. Like, and, and you, you said it perfectly. Like that's literally what it, what it feels like for us on the other end when you're giving your teachings. So you're amazing. Yes, you truly are. So, so just a, the last little piece I'm, I'm hoping you can speak to on, on that is that that's a creativity that, that you sought out for yourself, that you didn't realize that you were searching for, but you tapped into your version of creativity. So how talk about the, the story of like how that unfolds for people. Like, and, and again, everyone's going to express their creativity differently, but, but yeah. Yeah. From that point. Yeah, it's it's going back to that heart space because that's the space that we create from. I mean, the intellect will give us tools and maybe it'll tell us to go to the shop to get the paint and the board so that we can paint, but the actual creativity is coming from here. So the every day if you start choosing yourself, if you start choosing some self-care or some moments where you're listening, that creativity is gonna tap in and speak to you. That um, book, I think it's called Big Magic. The Eat, Pray, Love woman. No, I'm forgetting her. Um, Elizabeth uh, Gilbert. Gilbert yeah. 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 So in that book, I remember this, this paragraph really stuck out to me because I was feeling really um, not, yeah, resentful sometimes when I have an idea and all of a sudden it's, it's been done because I didn't have the time or I didn't take the moment to like recognize the idea and like write it down or do something with it. And what she says is that creativity wants to be birthed but it's our choice to listen to it and actually birth it. So in many of our moments, that whisper is there, that voice is there, but we have to take a moment to actually listen to it. So when I finally listened to it, like I was actually at a retreat, I was at a yoga camp for women, and I had this moment of like, every woman needs to experience this, and I'm gonna do it. And from that space on, it was just a decision. Like that voice came, I decided, and then I did it. So that's where like, I stepped into creativity, and I stepped into action with my intellect to make it happen. But then I stepped back into the creativity to actually do the creation of it. There it is. That's the magic recipe right there. Yes. Live in the heart space, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would, you know, that's some good home play, right? You got to give us some home play today, Sonia. So for mm-hmm. our listeners, where would they start? Like, like give them some homework here that they can start to put into mm-hmm. play maybe today. Uh, to start moving in that direction Mm -hmm. yeah so in the morning or in the evening whenever you have that time take five minutes to just be quiet and you know some people might say I can't meditate my head's spinning all the time that's the purpose of the meditation just sit with yourself no matter what thought is coming up and if you have a thought observe it ask it a question start asking questions and then as you do that you might find in a few days in those five minutes, all of a sudden there's an idea, write it down. So that can be like the first step into something bigger. Maybe it's not five minutes, maybe it's three minutes, whatever you can do, but really create the space for it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Very good. And so where can people find you, Dr. Sonia Jensen? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Facebook and Instagram, Dr. Sonia Jensen. Our clinic website is Divine Elements. Um, our retreats, naturallybraveretreats.com. And yeah, that's where you can find me. It's amazing. And you can find her in about 10 minutes picking up our boys at yeah. school. <laughs> that's right. So so she's looking at the time. 
<laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I'm so grateful to have you on, my love. Um, Baby Yoda shines through you so deeply, and we're we're grateful, David. Sonia, thank you for your greatness. Thank you for everything that you bring to the world, your vulnerability. It's super, super, super powerful. You're changing lives, you know, me and Clarissa's included. So we love you. Keep we doing it. You. Keep doing love it. You guys. Thank you for <laughs> yes. doing what you're doing. Okay. Have a great day, guys. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the Dr. Dads and share with your family and friends. You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.